0: Welcome to Prime Suspects for your weekly Insider's look behind the counter of Prime Sports. Alongside Joe Brennan Jr. and Adam Bjorn, I'm your host, Matt Landis. Adam, this is the first week in Prime Sports history without the NFL in action. It sounds like from our previous conversations, the handle has been picking up across other sports throughout the week. I'm wondering how that trend line continued in our first week post-Super Bowl.
1: Uh, Yeah, the the assessments were out on college basketball. I felt some pain there. Basketball in general is a thing right now. It's daily, nightly, so it keeps trickling in. It's always good to just take a breath as well and and get things in order. So as long as the the machine's running and they keep coming in, we're on track right now.
0: All right, good to hear. And Joe, we all know you're not qualified to speak to this topic, so we'll get to one that is more up your alley, diving deeper inside the latest from Prime Sports. I'm actually the one who gets the daily numbers (laughs) report, Matt. That's me. All right. Well, uh, I think you're also the guy to speak to what you might be able to share when it comes to the prospects of Prime gearing up for launch in New Jersey and Kentucky. I understand there's only so much that can be divulged right now, but what can you share with the audience who might be championing the bit to get down on Prime in these two states, hopefully in the not too distant future?
2: I would say we're on the verge of at least one of those states. I can't say which, but at least one of them. So... Yeah, definitely before
1: the end. Come on, Joe. Bit more optimistic. We're fucking coming. It's coming. Just be patient.
2: Do you want to do this now? You want to do it in front of the kids? No, let's do it. You want to do it? Go ahead.
1: No, on the verge. It's it's coming. But both of them are very moving, full steam ahead, parallel. I'm trying to manage expectations because it's funny. He and I were joking. We've been managing expectations for a few years now, and we keep stepping in the big pile of shit. But, you know, depending on the regulators' feedback and whatnot, within the next 45 to 60 days, we should see at least a second state live. Our empire will
2: expand threefold. <laughs> we were having a call earlier this morning where Adam, someone who brought it up, we were is was like, Hey, didn't we say we were going to go live during March Madness back in, like, twenty 20- 21, 22. I said, yeah. And didn't you joke at the time that like March Madness 2023? (laughs) It's painful, but yeah, it's 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 moving along. And
1: this whole building the software and building out regulated sports books and all that kind of stuff is a hell of a lot harder than it looks. You know, so for all the carnage on the road and that, that we've had the full bowls and that, it's hard. You've got to have a stomach for this that's completely titanium. You've got to, clear out the naysayers. I mean, whenever we talk about the all-encompassing book versus a recreational book, you know, you have all the naysayers out there and you just got to block it out and push it back. Because ultimately, once we get into these states, people will come, we'll get the players, we'll get the assassins, people will have a home that they don't elsewhere have, and that's kind of the goal of the whole thing. And, you know, it's an ultra-marathon, not even a marathon, and bit by bit, we'll get there. And the goal, you know, it's a big summer this year. And ultimately, it's a niche summer for us. So while it'd be good to be March Madness, NBA playoffs, those kind of things, I think attacking the Euros, the Olympics, and a few of those other things that others aren't really built for is ultimately our rollout as well. And even, you know, still soft launching in Ohio after, I don't know, what are we, five months in? Even if we're soft launchers for 12 months, we're a product that only exists in a few states right now and it's just about building it out bringing what the people want and we've even seen a few topics that we might get into that have happened this week that ultimately that's the goal of the whole journey so bit by bit but i think we're in as good a spot as we've ever been in trying to get these things live and that's all we can sort of put to it
2: right now yeah and uh, the good thing that we have is that we're a private company and we're not responding to every 3 months we need to go out there and explain how our bucket of shit is really a bucket of gold. Adams right. Our very smart product chief, Ian Parkins said this yesterday said sports books in America don't start up out of nowhere like what we're doing. They're they're a spin off from a casino company or they're coming from some sort of legacy sports or media business. When you look at everybody who is up there in front of us, that's the truth. There's nobody who's really brand new. I mean, you could say better, but they're behind us. So who cares? But as far as like building your own stack, owning your own technology from the beginning and starting with the attitude of we're going to build good bones in this thing first and then we're going to operate. You know, people can be critical of us being on like month number five of soft launch. It's like, there's no point in going out and doing big pushes, acquisition pushes until you know that you've got a really good foundation underneath you. And we're about there, right? So if it was get the most out of football season or hurry up, be ready for football season or hurry, be ready up for the men's tournament or something like that. That'd be one thing. Look, that's not where we're at. We're long term. We're like in five years, where are we going to be? The dreaded five year plan. But we really can, we really can do that, say that and mean that rather than like, well, we've got a five year plan, but every three months, we're going to tell you how everything's great, everything's awesome. You know, when some other companies, they really had creative approaches to it this past week. Sounds like a segue there, Matt.
0: Yes, and building on that notion of Prime being in one state at the moment with a couple more on the horizon, I think it might be safe to say that after Super Bowl handle and hold numbers were made public this past week, some sports books may be wishing that they too were not live in more states for the big game. Guys, jumping into our water cooler segment on February fifteenth, a headline on SportsHandle dot com read: Bet MGM takes four point eight million dollar loss in New York Super Bowl fifty eight betting. On one hand, this is kind of consistent with a topic that we dove into last week with overtime representing a big swing for the betting public in the Super Bowl, that yes on overtime prop, the side in total swinging from San Francisco and the under, which would have been good for the books, including Prime Sports, to Kansas City and the over coming through in overtime. On the other hand, that same article by Chris Altruda noted that DraftKings crushed the public in New York, winning more than $8.8 million, holding almost 17%. So, Joe, I'll come to you first here. I guess I'm trying to reconcile. How can two books offering similar menus serving largely the same customers in the same state produce such disparate results?
2: That's a very good question. But if you could say they offer the same menu, but DraftKings is so much further ahead when it comes to particularly marketing their SGPs to their base. That's what they're known for at at BetMGM. You know, they may be number three, but they're number three trailing by quite some distance. So give DraftKings and then also FanDuel credit for really being good leaders in this marketplace of really being able to shift their players onto parlays and SGPs and things like that. There's no way you can get those numbers focusing on single game bets. But at the same time, they're getting that kind of whole percentage. And then when you look at their, you know, when they report their financials and everything like that, like somehow they still find a way to lose money. And it's just, it's one game, right? Bet MGM lost. What was it? 4 million or something like that? 4.8. 4.8. That's a drop in the bucket for those guys. I don't think that they, other than noting that like, wow, it's kind of embarrassing that we lost and the other guys won. I don't think they missed a beat the following day. And the other thing is, and BetMGM has a different, they're growing that sports brand so that they can get beachfront property for when online gambling, online casino eventually comes and that's where they're going to really hit it because that's what they are at their heart. as a casino.
0: I can't help, but wonder Joe, if that 4.8 number might've been north of 5 million if Tom Brady were allowed to bet via BetMGM, but we already hashed that out. I still can't believe, still can't believe that ad campaign. The greatest
2: self-own of uh, this past Super Bowl season.
0: We had a good time hashing that out in the buildup to Super Sunday. And Adam, I'd like to get your take on this topic, building on what we've discussed so far, not necessarily repeating some of the same points, but also to something that you pointed out in our chat leading up to this recording, perhaps an advantage for regulated books and therefore betters in the regulated market when it comes to the payout process.
1: As Joe mentioned, it's one game I'm sure if you'd got every game for the course of the year, you know, some would be in MGM's favor versus DK. In this business, as we've always said, liquidity's king. I'm sure the handle of uh, DK's was a lot higher, so you have more of an opportunity to hold there. Whereas MGM, you know, a couple of customers, big customers that might have bet a lot of money were on the right side, Uh, a couple of the props things and like that. That's where everyone gets way too wrapped up in articles like this, where it's a single game versus a quarter or a month or a year or anything like that because ultimately if you're you know your c-suite and your managers and that all get wrapped up and concerned over one game and then look to make changes you know that's from what i'm understanding and i understand very little of the corporate world and the public companies of that is they just get too wrapped up in this stuff they're really not focusing on the right things the right products the right customer profiling the right many of these things where i think if you took a couple of well seasoned people that really knew what they were doing and wrong to any of these operations, you know, they could turn them significantly on a dime. So it's just part of the game shows that sports betting, unlike many other products out there, casino, totalizators, things like that, you can actually lose. And it is actually a harder game than the rest of them when you're doing this stuff. So one game, move on to the next one. And next year they could show up again and be complete reverse around, or even, you know, they both win with a $12 million variance, et cetera. So a little too much goes into the single headline items, but as I'm learning more and more, that's just part of the the media game and how to get
2: eyeballs on things. Yeah. And I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but nobody should read into the results and say like one's a better bookmaker than the other. I don't think either one of them are particularly good bookmakers, but when you look at the whole percentage, it means one did better on their parlay action than the other did. And if you're reliant on being a parlay ticket factory, you're already a lesser bookmaker than I'll just say it than my Australian friend on the call here with us right now, who he's really focused in on battling sharps on single game markets. So,
0: and Joe, building on that point, recent earnings reports from sportsbooks came out and that can expand the horizon beyond one game and looking at things on that quarterly type of basis. What does that say to you about the current state of the industry?
2: It's all hype machine the fact that they can get the kind of numbers revenue numbers that they take in and then they just they still lose they still lose money i when i I saw the jason robbins thing on cnbc where again it's the oh but you know we, we have good fundamentals underneath the company it's like okay yeah you great you got great fundamentals you got a good foundation when does it start making money you can have the best foundation in the world but if that's your narrative and it's not this is how we become profitable These guys are still in a game of chicken racing to uh, the edge of the abyss over who can acquire, you know, the the only way they know how to acquire customers is through bonuses and big campaigns. And what they find is, and and we already see kind of like at the edge of this, what happens when we see their, you know, some of their more dissatisfied customers, especially the big ones, come into our orbit. It's all just about like, gimme, gimme, what are you going to gimme, 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 gimme? every they've distorted the marketplace and so it's no wonder that they have to kind of keep this massive burn going to try and hit some escape velocity that i don't think any of them right now the way they've positioned their companies are ever going to reach you look at the same thing with uh, the numbers that were reported by penn in regards to espn bet i mean just massive losses these guys are taking and espn or uh, the pen guy said like, well, yeah, that was a really bad loss this quarter. Expect it to be like that every quarter here for the remainder of the year. But somehow they're going to stabilize by the end of this year. I don't know how they get to that With the, when you look at their marketing spend, when you look at the losses that they're booking to get the kind of revenue that they're getting. And when we see it from the inside, the math just doesn't work.
0: Well, as we get ready to pivot from largely recreational books with a big presence in states like New York and New Jersey to a Vegas book doing things the old school way for our look ahead segment this week, guys, I'd love to touch on a Washington Post article published yesterday featuring Chris Andrews, Mitty Magliugo, Jimmy Vaccaro and the South Point Sportsbook team, including a cameo by the legendary Michael Gon. The headline, an old school Las Vegas bookie takes on a new era of sports betting. Joe, I know you were so inspired by this article, you created a Twitter poll on who has the better $1. fifty cent hot dog, South Point or Costco. And this article was behind a paywall. So at the risk of breaching some sort of unwritten ethical rule as the holder of a journalism degree, I'm wondering if you could share the top takeaways for those of us who don't subscribe.
2: First of all, I'm embarrassed. I thought that was a publicly available article. I'm going to have to go back up there and repost uh, the link or something. But no, I think it you know, when we were talking, I was just running my mouth during my Ted talk about this spending money. It's all bonusing, blowtorching brands, everything like that. You look at what Chris Vinny, and Jimmy and Michael gone, uh, are able to do at South point and I defy anybody to say like, oh, well that's just cause they're a one shop sports book. You know, Michael Gone's a really smart guy. He's one of the smartest guys that you'll see out there in gaming altogether. They know what makes people happy. They know that this is a service industry. And those guys punch so far above their weights. like watching a flyweight knock out Mike Tyson, you know, the, between the service, the emphasis on product and just making their patrons happy. Everybody wants to say, uh, oh, it's a technology thing. That's old school. Like I, th- obviously we think that's worship because we're kind of more spiritually and philosophically in line with what the South point folks do but all you gotta do is look at a guy like Michael Gaughan. That guy is in every gaming hall of fame. He's one of the last of like the lone wolf gaming operators out there. And this is a guy who he, he intentionally books a one and a half million dollar loss every month on his restaurants in his place. And charges only $1.50 for that hot dog when he could charge a lot more, but he knows this is about keeping your players happy and satisfied with the experience And they will respond with the amount of gaming that they do. And he makes them feel good. And it's the same thing with Chris and Vinny and Jimmy. They know their customers. They've got a customer base that you couldn't pry away from them with a crowbar and a blowtorch. Right? And that kind of equity that they have in their audience is not something that you get by fire hosing the marketplace with bonuses and things. Yeah, they give out comp meals and everything like that. But that's just good business. Right? I would much rather see, and I think you will see in the future, people will start treating their customers like customers and not just like another digital account. The market, I mean, the research and everything shows people would want to be treated well. And that's something that the guys at South Point have frankly mastered.
0: And Adam, to bring this full circle, when one day we see that DraftKings holds almost 17% on the biggest sporting event of the year in the biggest regulated betting state in the country. And then a few days later, we see a feature story like this on the South Point's operation. How do you see these two divergent models coexisting or evolving in the foreseeable future? Well, I
1: think because it's just different people and they want different things. You know, I kind of get, it was just more recently digging into these whole numbers and that, like how much of that 17% was bonuses and free money and how much of it was real money. We've got some numbers on Ohio collectively for 2023. And when you take out all that bonus promotional money, they're holding like 3.2%. Well, that's kind of, at the end of the day, our goal, which we've all been heavily ridiculed that you can't sort of live on that. Downtown, that's what Circa's targeting, that 3%. It's just the way people think about things differently. One thing that Southpoint didn't do is, like a Caesars and an MGM and that, suddenly take a product that forever and ever was stuck in a corner and was not necessarily a loss leader, but it wasn't their biggest profit maker and then think that they were going to go out and bombast the all states and pick up all this new sports betting revenue and and make it sort of the competitive on the casino level the south point just they knew who they were they stayed as they were and just continued on punching above their weight of servicing and giving a product and taking a bet and, and moving forward that way you can sort of see some of the other places have taken out those old school guys that were there for decades uh, and trying to move in this different direction and do it differently. But ultimately, that's what a sports book is. You know? We've lived that. We know that in a sense of being a sports book with a casino, where your casino is the less revenue and those kind of things as you sort of go that path of understanding that versus being a casino with a sports book tapped on to the back end of it. It's just, it is what it is, and I think they'll both have lives well into the future. Again, who comes in and manages it? Maybe you change that whole structure of South Point ownership, management, and all that, and they go back to trying to do other things or push it in a different way. But that's just old school, that South Point whole structure. You can sort of see that that's understanding who it is and where it belongs and treating the customers to a level that they've been treated for a very long time versus the way that many of these others are doing it right now, chasing the dollar versus The hospitality aspect of of the industry which ultimately it's a service business and we're here to serve just by offering product and and doing what we can to make it a enjoyable experience and trying not to gouge them and take their money so quickly if they're on the losing end but giving them opportunity to churn and have fun while they're doing it
2: yeah the smartest anecdote in that entire article was the bit about how like michael gone early like when he was really young and he had a riverboat gambling operation in the Midwest and noticed that the patrons were gambling their money away pretty quickly. And they spent like the last half of the trip sitting there looking pretty unhappy, right? So what did he do? How did he respond? Well, he reduced the house edge on the machine so that people like if they were going to lose, it was going to time up like, oh, well, okay. If they lose, they were going to get tapped out right as they were arriving at the dock. There's no... He didn't have some data program telling him to do this or anything like that. That's a smart guy who knows gaming and he knows people, right? And when you look at the kind of percentages that people are taking out of the player, you know, 17%, 15%, things like that, those are going to be the patrons that are going to be sitting there every week, you know, waiting for the last 20 minutes to end so they can get back to the dock because they already got, you know, nothing but lint in their pockets. And I got to imagine... That's what's driving a lot of the numbers. You know, people don't want to talk about how cyclical these SGPs are. All right, well, if somebody has a hundred dollars to bet and they're doing it on SGPs and they're getting blown out, right? Well then they're going to have to redeposit, but these guys have all their redeposit incentives, which is just more bonusing, which is just more fake money into the system to inflate their numbers and everything. And it's just like Adam is saying, it's like, it's a big mirage of what people are really doing. And in the end, are you, do you really have happy players? Are people coming away from DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, whomever and saying, wow, that was a great experience. I really felt like I was treated well. I don't see a great groundswell of that right now. I see that a lot of people say like, well, they gave me more free money.
0: Well, far be it from me to say what the future holds. But Joe, to summarize that, if I may, I think of the saying pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. So we'll see what's in store, but going beyond that transactional relationship and giving people something deeper than that can often be better for the bigger picture. I think we can say the three of us all feel that that's the way that things will hopefully continue to move in the future. And as we round the corner here to the audience, I'll say whether you prefer the old school approach or the new school approach or wherever you prefer to get your dollar fifty cent hot dogs, we always thank you for making us a part of your week. A few weekly reminders here to wrap things up. You can register for Prime Sports at primesports.com. Download the Prime Sports app. Follow Prime Sports on Twitter at Prime Sportsbook. Follow Joe at Joe Brennan Jr. Follow Adam at Adam Bjorn 2 You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll catch you next week right back here on Prime Suspects. You must be 21 or over to play on Prime Sports. Always bet responsibly and within your limits. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLERS.